what is your deathbed goal? And I know that sounds intense, but you know, we've all had the threat of death this year and many, many people have died. And I don't care if you're 20 years old. I know there's some young people on this retreat. It doesn't matter how old you are. It's important to know your deathbed goal, your deathbed intention. And that might take some thinking about tonight. But get clear, is it to be calm? Is it to be completely fully enlightened? Is it to be free of mind? Is it to be loving? You know, everybody's going to be different. But know your deathbed goal because your first step depends on your last. And whether you're 10 years from death or 20 years, you know, theoretically, because we don't know, right? Death is the ultimate guru. And when you meet the ultimate guru, who or what are you going to be? What do you want to be? And then what can happen is we can work our way backwards if you know what your deathbed goal is, and it's so different for everyone, I ask this to a lot of the clients I work with, then you can know, am I doing something to move towards that today, this week, this month? Again, your first step depends on your last. And I guarantee if you know what that final death guru goal is, meeting your death guru, who are you? I guarantee you'll be at that when it's time for you to die. If you start reflecting on it now and you start looking at, geez, I want to be completely calm. I want to be empty calm when I die. Okay, how are you doing with that today? Oh, I'm not doing so well. Okay, let's be empty calm now, right? So see how this is really important. And we don't often talk about this intention, but it's super important to, again, hone the mind, rudder on the boat. Otherwise, it's like these huge distractions. Deepama likened it to like, we're trying to find this hidden jewel, which is probably your deathbed goal, right? And all of a sudden, an Indian wedding party comes along, which includes thousands of people, and you get caught up. And then you're like, what, what, what was I doing? You know, years later, you're like, Oh, right. I was trying to find that jewel. And then you start looking for the jewel. And then you get caught up in one of these marketplaces, these huge bazaars with all these people trying to sell you stuff. And you get lost for years there. What was my goal? So this is designed to not get you lost in the wedding party and the bazaar and just keep this is this is what this very human life is about for you. And it might feel intense, but it's important. It's really important. It's important we don't waste time. Not that there's really time to waste, but it's important we use the time, quote, time wisely. <laughs> In people's deathbed goals, it's, um, it's quite amazing. And uh, I got a couple pictures. So the first picture is, um, go ahead and share the pig one. This is someone's deathbed goal. (laughs) 
It's just great, isn't it? When pigs fly, huh? <laughs> so may we all have that kind of um, whatever that is, joyful freedom. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> and then this other picture is really different. This is Zen, the Zen circle just, you know, eventually going back to the elements. Water, element, air, earth. So thank you, Susan. There were more pictures. I, I didn't I didn't post them all, but And I want to address one person. Several people really said that freedom from fear and a couple more people talked about safety being their deathbed goal. And one person in particular um, has never felt safe their whole life because they experienced very severe trauma at a very young age, very violent trauma. And... Um, so I just want to take a moment to send metta to this person because um, to not feel safe your whole life is a big deal and that's their only goal on at death is to feel a moment of safety. So I really want to give that to them now. And I want to point out this is a man with trauma and we, you know, it's often with men it's not talked about this level of unsafety so just that sense of extending your heart to this being and whether it's man or woman that any each of us deserves to have safety when we die and why not wait just have it now and I don't know if they're on the call or not but this recording, they can feel that the safety is being extended to them right now. They're being held in the Buddha as the Sangha, the community. And each one of us see if we can drop into that moment of safety right now. We don't have to wait till we die. But it's just one moment. Just feeling that safety together. And then extending that safety out to all the many beings who don't feel safe and it might be this person as well and offering your safety to them. May all beings be free. May all beings be safe from danger. Mm -hmm. 
And even though our human character can feel very unsafe this lifetime, just extending to this person that your true nature is always safe. My teacher says that we're always safe in the bed of the absolute dreaming the human dream, we're like the absolute is in safe in bed dreaming, dreaming your life. And he says, you never left the bed of the absolute. So if we can feel a little bit of this safety, our true nature is always safe. And that can be felt in the here and now. True nature can never be destroyed or harmed. And wishing all beings to be safe and know safety. even when circumstances make it hard. The Buddha said, visible in the here and now. So my wish to this person and to each one of us, may you feel safe before you die and when you die and after you die. <laughs> so that brings me to one of the first questions that somebody asked, what is a spiritual bypass? And um, <laughs> different traditions can do different versions of it. In the Vipassana, the Vipassana tradition that we're in, that Dharma Zephyr is part of, um, originally the spiritual bypass was, um, and they did this a lot in the 80s, just note it, just note it. So people would come in like with horrific trauma images or horrible feelings and the teacher would say, oh, just note it. <laughs> And I'd be like, no, <laughs> it's uh, that's a that's trauma stuff. We, you know, sometimes you need other tools, and just know that it's a great tool, but not all of the time. You know, you don't want to use a hammer um, when you're um, in the shower. <laughs> it's not always the perfect tool for every situation. So. It took years in the Vipassana community at Insight Meditation Society to realize some people that were experiencing strong emotions need to go work in the garden. They needed to talk to another human about what they were experiencing. They needed to move out of silence. So we started to realize that expanding the toolbox that just noting it wasn't 
the only solution to difficult or strong emotions. In the Advaita or the non-dual scene, the kind of spiritual bypass version is, um, oh, it's all just awakeness anyway. It's all empty. <laughs> and again, it's any way that you discount the fullness. So we're really here to experience and explore the fullness. That's what mindfulness is, exploring the fullness, not indulging in it, but also not going, oh, no, no, that's not really spiritual. We, we need to go to the awakeness. And only you can know when that balances and where in your practice and how. That's why in the talk, I really emphasize when it's the right time you go to emptiness. After you can name emotions and trauma, you can go to the empty, unconditioned nature. But when it's done prematurely, it can feel like violence. And, you know, we've all had people that said, well, don't cry, or you don't need to feel bad, or what's your problem? There's nothing really wrong. So it's that sense of connection and inclusion that we want to bring. And that's true dharma. It doesn't leave things out. It's fearlessly willing to connect with everything. Not discounting. 